Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to Go Black Boy Go. I am your host Jalen, as always, and I am back with a special election reflection episode. Uh, so our country experienced um, our first election week, and I hope it's our last election week because it was um, very emotionally draining. And I wanted to talk to a few guests about how they felt about this week. Um, I have a series of interviews that I'll be doing over multiple episodes. So um, just stay on the lookout and I hope you enjoy this first round. I think for me, even as a Trump supporter, there is a... And you still, you still, you still wear that banner. What banner? <laughs> as a Trump supporter, you oh, you still proudly yeah. claim. I don't even proudly claim it. I just like I did vote for him. Like I'm not. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that there was a bit of relief, for sure, just in the sense of like you just saw like America celebrating and you saw people just going out in the streets and like hugging and enjoying each other's company and like just a lot of like relief coming out of a lot of people and I think that there definitely is something to be said about that whether your ideology whether your ideology is more leaning towards being a conservative or a liberal person you still have to see even as somebody as conservative as I am, see like how afraid, anxious, and angry so many people are at the Trump presidency. And we're not, we're in a new place now because at the, like when I was in college, like my freshman year when he got elected, it was kind of like, well, this is, a transition like let's see if this is something that can work and a lot of the pitch was something that we all know and it's something that the trump administration has opened us up even more to and that's the solid fact that our government is corrupt and i think that for many americans the trump administration was a wake-up call to the corruption of our government and whether or not you loved or hated Donald Trump, I found him to be an incredibly necessary part of our government. And I think in a lot of ways, just in the sheer waking up that he gave people in the sense that, okay, I really don't like this guy and now I need to go out and vote against him. And I think that that was something that was really cool to see too, was the sheer number of people that went out and voted. And I can only hope that going into a Joe Biden and Kamala Harris presidency, that people on the left hold them to the same level of accountability. While I am excited to be rid of Donald Trump and his unitary executive theory and his circumnavigating of the rule of law, <laughs> I am... Uh, uh, I'm not going to be out there screaming for the Green New Deal. 
you're not going to see me necessarily supporting universal health care. If we're going to talk first about election night, I think one of the biggest indicators that we saw from election night was the turnout numbers for Donald Trump. There was a much larger turnout in Republican areas and Republican supporters than we had seen in a lot of places and that we expected from 2016. If you look at the number, turnout numbers on 2016 to 2020, turnout went way up this election. It went so up this election on both sides of the aisle. And the turnout on election day, as expected, leaned very heavily Republican and leaned very heavily for Donald Trump. So on election night, and I think in particular, one of the things that I'll say is the Florida flipping to red was big for Donald Trump. Mm. It was huge. And the turnout of Cuban minorities in uh, Miami-Dade County and across that state were huge for him. It showed a trend leaning towards Donald Trump on that night. And looking at the numbers when I was looking at them, and I, of course, am no expert, but as somebody who was looking at some of the county data, um, Arizona looked very close. Pennsylvania looked like a very big lead. Georgia was perhaps in play, but the lead there was big. And I think most people were shocked by the strong turnout of the Republican Party and of Donald Trump supporters in that. Now, as the night went on, as the days went on, as the week went on, you started to see these mail-in ballots come trickling in and you started to see Biden overperforming the expectations he needed there. So I think really, if we were to extrapolate anything from this election, it is that the Biden campaign worked in securing banking, one might call them, those votes early in the election cycle in the mail-in process. Hmm. And the Trump campaign, probably to their detriment, hurt themselves in that regard by not getting enough mail-in ballots and by not getting enough support in that front. Hmm. So... So I think overall, you know, election day was good for Trump, but the problem is, is that this was not just election day, and this was election week, and election <laughs> week, uh, you can't win, you can't just win one out of five days in election week, you've got to win at least, you got to win four of those, and Biden won four of those. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so, so, you're, so basically, you know, the in-person rallies that Trump did, maybe he could have benefited from <laughs> mail-in ballot rallies or something like that. Yeah, that's... you're right. No, that, that's exactly right. Because when you're talking for six months to a year beforehand about how mail-in ballot is rifle with fraud, your voters aren't going to mail in ballots. So yeah, you may look good on election day, but you have nothing to swell that support, nothing to keep that momentum against you. And would it have changed the outcome of the election? I doubt it. But at the very least, perhaps you're going to get some more of that momentum back on your side and not lose yeah. that momentum heading into Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, yeah. when the election was finally called. So what all these Trump litigations have brought forward is very small amounts of voter fraud. A thousand votes here, a couple five, 500 votes here, 2,000 votes here. And they're asking them to completely overturn the election. You have 500 bad votes in an election where Joe Biden won by 50,000. So you don't count the 500 bad votes. Joe Biden wins by 45,500. It's, it, it's ridiculous. The remedy doesn't match the crime. 
And if the remedy doesn't match the crime, they're frivolous lawsuits. And this is assuming, this is assuming that the evidence they have is even worth it, is even good evidence. Some of their evidence is bullshit. It's conspiracy theory. They had this one conspiracy theory that this Canadian company that's funded by a Democratic senator's husband illegally switched thousands of votes. That's, that's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous to assert that in a court filing. And the lawyers who do it should be held in contempt of court under Rule 11 and be sanctioned out the ass because that is ridiculous to sit there and say that election is that defrauded on that on such a scale as that with no evidence in summation it's bull okay so i actually went into the election pretty i was 99 percent sure that donald trump was gonna win same and i was just like he's just gonna win because like i mean he won 2016 and i just feel like there are just a lot of people who like him so um, that night I was kind of surprised that like Joe Biden was kind of leading, but I was like, I'll wake up tomorrow and, and something will change. Yeah. And then like I went on and I was like, oh shit. Oh, okay. So he's actually <laughs> going to lose. So, um, the joy kind of like, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely relieved that I don't have to deal with like that anymore. Um, I'm going to give people a little bit of time to like celebrate before I start dragging them again for their political opinions. But um, yeah. But I would like you to drag them here. <laughs> so, um, um, I mean, I had a lot of opinions. So like one thing that like, I guess makes me kind of upset. Um, and I knew this was gonna happen because it happens all the time on like news shows. But like when people talk about the South, and um, that they were like, just oh, really surprised. I mean, I was surprised that Georgia flipped, but not because of the same reasons that most people are surprised that Georgia flipped. Most people are surprised that it flipped because people think that it's just like a bunch of like conservative racist hillbillies. And it's like, no, the South is like one of the most like racially diverse places. And we just like are extremely disenfranchised, but yeah. North doesn't realize that because they're also racist. So um, I, I mean, I tweeted a lot about like people being like, shut the fuck up about the South if you don't live here because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, it hasn't started yet, but I can already tell that I'm going to have some problems with, like, I mean, like, it was very, like, I guess the word, like, nostalgic to, like, see, like, Kamala and Joe Biden, like, give, like, their victory speeches and stuff because it, I guess it kind of felt like the, like, Obama years, hmm. and it felt just normal, but, yeah. like, I mean, I, since Joe Biden announced his campaign, and Kamala's, like, I was critical of them, and I'm still yes. yes, and I feel like people think I shouldn't be just because, like, Donald Trump's not in office, and that's where the problem is gonna be at, so. Yeah, it's, we, we can't, we have to be critical of everybody, we can't just be, like, oh, they're perfect because they're not Trump. No. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like, people don't want, it seems like people don't want to do that or will criticize other people for being critical. Um, but that's just, I mean, we're just, we're, we're, that's, <laughs> critical thinking is, is an important aspect to a democracy. We can't all think the same.
So I, I agree with, with, with you kind of feeling, you said you haven't seen it yet, but you, you can tell, you can kind of tell. Cause I haven't said anything about it yet. So I'm going to give them a while. Cause like, I kind of want to celebrate too, but like, I'm going to give them yeah, a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, but after that, like, I'll probably give them until like when he gets into office. Office. That's yeah. when. Then I'll okay. start being like, okay, white liberals, listen here. I mean, part of me is like, I don't want like the backlash and I don't have to have, have to like deal with them like on social media coming at me like they did during the primary. But part of me is also like, well, I don't really give a fuck anymore because y'all already think that I'm like this super radical leftist, like crazy person anyway. I think Joe Biden was one of the few people who could actually beat Donald Trump. And that's why he's president of the United States right now. Um, I don't say that in necessarily the best of lights. I think Joe Biden's a decent man. I think he has done a lot of good for the country. I think he's done a lot of bad for the country in his role as senator and as vice president. I think he means well. I think he's a good father, a good husband, all of that. But I don't believe that the crime bill he passed was very good. Uh, the portion of the Violence Against Women Act that he sponsored when Bill Clinton, that put of her a large amount of minority, particularly young African-American males in jail. Um, I think that is horrible misuse of your ability as a legislature to actually help people when you're putting them in jail. I think he handled the Clarence Thomas hearings when he was Senate Judiciary Chairman very poorly and did not grant enough respect either to Anita Hill or to Justice Thomas. I think that Joe Biden Donald Trump had a bit of a point when he said you spent 47 years in politics and what you're known for is to mishandling a hearing and for passing a bad crime bill. So with that being said, I think Joe Biden is enough of a moderate that he's not going to rock the boat. I don't think that he brings a lot of new to the table. I don't think he brings a lot of excitement to the table. And while I think that's good for the country as a whole, I don't think that makes for a great president, um, which is why, honestly, I think he'll be a one-term president, whether if he chooses not to run or whether a Republican beats him in 2024, because somebody more exciting oh, God will come God. along. Um, I don't see the point in putting a former prosecutor as a VP, somebody who is notorious for a hard sentencing of minority groups in California. Uh, somebody who is a supporter of major progressive policies. When you're running as a moderate, you don't really want somebody who is going to destroy that narrative of you as a moderate by supporting these progressive policies. Mm. I think as vice president, she'll be fine because the vice president does nothing. Um, to put it bluntly, as John Adams said, it is the most useless job in this uh, city. So I think Kamala Harris is going to make a fine vice president. I do predict her running in 2024 if Joe Biden does not, and I predict her getting beat in 2024 because of those views that she expressed. Uh, but that's a conversation perhaps for another day. Another day, another day. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. To, okay, look, I'm suspicious of both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, but I do like the fact that, you know, I can, this is a sentence I can say, the vice president of the United States is a black woman. I just like that I can say that. Of course, yeah. that doesn't do much for like, you know, if like if that's actually going to change the country or actually going to affect the country. But 
I think for me and a lot of other black people, um, yeah, I think just being able to say that is enough, but I think also we are still skeptical. I think that's a, I think that's a healthy skepticism and, and I'll admit I, I have no frame of reference, believe it or not, when Mike Pence uh, got elected vice president, I did not feel that same euphoria of another white man, uh, Christian <laughs> white man as the vice president. Um, and I don't want to degenerate at all from Senator Harris's election to vice president, the first black female as vice president, uh, the first African-American individual as vice president, the first South Asian individual and the vice president that should not ever be degenerated and should be recognized in the history books as a big moment. I do think that though, if that's her only thing she mm. has going for her, that's not going to carry her well into her term. I think once you look at her actual record, you're going to start seeing a lot of flaws in it. And I don't know how that's going to help him. You know, let, let's say Joe Biden does run in 2024. I'm suddenly the idea of, oh, well, the first black woman, South Asian vice president, well, that kind of loses its effect the second time around or the third time around. So I think you have to look a bit at a record and a record doesn't show very well for the campaign Biden is trying to, or was trying to run. And I'd be curious to see how Kamala runs on that when she does inevitably run in 24 or 28. I, I want to feel hopeful, I think. I want to I definitely want to support them as the next chapter of of our country and the next chapter of democracy. Uh, but myself and everybody that is conservative will hold them to a very high standard. And I would hope that other people do as well. There are things that both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have done in their last I mean, they're both career politicians, so they've yeah. done they've done things that I really don't agree with, and I think Same. those things are going to actually be things that have hurt marginalized communities versus yeah. things that most most traditional conservatives are disrupting or not liking them for. Yeah. I don't. I'm not personally afraid of Joe Biden's tax plan. And most people that are conservative, that are young and don't make a lot of money like myself, don't really need to be concerned with his tax plan. Um, but we do need to be concerned with how both of these candidates have taken a look at prison reform, how they've taken a look at um, drug use in their past and how they've locked up a lot of people, a lot of young black men, quite frankly. And we need to hold them accountable to be better than that, both on the conservative and on the liberal side of things. I mean, I do like that, like, finally, like, I guess history has been made because, like, we have, like, a woman vice president who's also Black and South Asian. So that's really good. Um, but we also elected another white man, like, the oldest white man ever. So, I mean... And I honestly feel like had had no one's had if no one would have told Joe Biden like we're not voting for you unless you put like a woman on your ticket, especially a woman of color, he probably would have chosen a white man. 
That's just my opinion. Oh my god! Yeah, I I believe it. I believe it. Kamala really, really helped him with this election, and he should be forever indebted to her and the black community. You saw he saved the black community for last when he did his speech. I thought he he wrote us. I thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna leave us, leave the black community out, but he saved us for last. That was smart because that's how you keep us voting for you. I mean, they told him on Twitter, like, we expect to, like, be mentioned in your, like, speech. And, like, going back to Kamala, I read something, I read an article, and I shared it on Facebook about, like, one thing that I do think that Kamala is going to, like, unfortunately be, I feel like they're going to make her, like, the, like, chief diversity officer of the White House, and that's just going to piss me off. Yeah, and that's, that one, that's so much work to put on one person and that's like work that she shouldn't even be doing like that's work that other white people need to be doing like yeah yeah that that will because then then that's going to deter her from even doing like her actual job but i mean i guess like i'm not too surprised since like i guess that's the only kind of work that white people think that like black politicians should do is like diversity work and like anti-racism work even though i don't really think they're like that anti-racist especially joe biden people say she's more progressive than he is which i i probably agree with um i do know that people are like really critical of like her past as like a district attorney or whatever she did in california something like that where she was just kind of, like, really, like, I guess I want to say bad at her job, but, like, I guess some people say, like, it's the job that, I guess, Democrats would do at during that time. But, I mean, she has a past, and I feel like she hasn't really addressed it. Yeah. I feel like she just kind of just, like, hides it under the rug. Um, but, I mean... Joe Biden, at least he apologized for the crime bill. He said that it was a mistake and that he was sorry. But I feel like whenever someone talks about her past, she just, it's like, well, I was one of the first people to introduce body cams and implicit bias training. And I'm like, okay, well, what about the other shit I just said? So, you know what I want her to do at the inauguration? I want her to uh, get her little, um, her, uh, God, um, her graduating class of AKAs, and I want them to stroll at the inauguration. So beautiful. I want to. I want to see Kamala stroll. I feel like Kamala is gonna give us like rep. She's gonna give us representation, but we're not sure if she's going to actually back it up in policy. Um, I feel like something within me, within my soul, was like, what if she's playing us? What if she's playing us? What if she's just playing up the whole black woman thing and then she's like, I'm gonna fuck y'all up? I mean, I wouldn't be so. I mean, it's not a crazy idea. It, it, but I guess yeah. for some people, for some people, just like the like descriptive representation, just like having a black woman is enough for people. But for um, me, it's not. Yeah, yeah. We have to be critical of that, of what that representation means. And we also have to be critical of the fact that not all black women think the same, not all black women stand for the same thing. Like to, yeah. to, to 
actually and in fact in thinking that they do that kind of like erases all all different kinds of of black women so yeah i i agree i am i'm my eyes are on both of them Mm -hmm. my eyes are on both of them no one's safe so it doesn't matter i can already i can just speak for conservatives at this point it doesn't matter how much is factually correct about the win when it does when it probably will i'm just gonna say when it does happen when it's finally the courts overturn when all of trump when they finally grab trump screaming and kicking from the white house bricks like there are still going to be a large chunk of americans who are going to back him and his presidency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that a fair and honest election is my breaking point and most rational conservatives breaking point, because at the end of the day, we are the party of the belief in this country and the belief that in America and a belief in all of the, the American values. I think that if, if the conservative party is known for something, we're like positive, we're known for, supporting and loving the ideals that are this country the positives of that especially and so for most traditionalists it's going to be okay yeah well now fair is fair and he won you know we did the same thing when obama took office against mitt romney and against john mccain we said okay that makes sense that was probably the better candidate at the end of it um but there will still be a chunk of the country that does back trump and my my concern is will he continue to somehow rally people behind him even without a candidacy or and will what will joe biden do to combat that because joe biden is not a and he's not a terrible person he's not a terrible candidate for the presidency but he's not I don't know if he is somebody that can unify America hmm. we're as divided as we are. And that's, that to me is the tricky is the trickiest thing of their, of their, of the next four years. It doesn't really even have to do with policy at this point. It's just, can we get into a point of post 2020 of unification because the entire Trump presidency has been a divide in a lot of ways. And I think in some ways those it was necessary, but we need to now enter into a point of unity and rebuilding. And I think that that also will come with, or just with pride and taking pride in this country and taking pride in living here and taking pride in the people next to us. And that's my biggest, question of and critique of the joe biden presidency that we're about to be under is can that be done under this you know yeah um yeah i i also question if joe biden can be that you know there there i don't know if you saw his um acceptance speech (laughs) um where he (laughs) Where he's just an old man, old white well, man. Well, we won, and uh, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, gonna bring it. America back. We're gonna we're gonna do the thing, and we're gonna. Uh, 
I think I think Kamala is really just the president at this point. But <laughs> yes, yes. Let's just say that. Um, I I I think the only people that are going to bring unity to this country are the American people. Like right. I think that's the work that we have to do. Like we have to have conversations like this. But on the flip side, it's like a lot of people who experienced terror, quite frankly, under a Trump presidency, um, they're not going to be as ready to talk and, and, and be unified with Trump supporters, just as Trump supporters are not going to be ready to be unified with other like other kinds of people for their own biases and 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 whatnot so right. i i think i i think if anything we're at a point where we recognize um identity politics we 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 speak frankly about race and gender and, and sexuality um i i think we're slowly getting to a point to where we can somewhat begin to understand each other um but that is the small optimist in me um you know i hate everything so that took a lot to say <laughs> the problem with the unity message is they're not gonna really be looking for unity they're they're tired of hearing that what they want to hear is what donald trump was telling them they want to hear we are going to stop illegal immigration. We're going to stop them stealing jobs. We're going to stop outsourcing jobs to China. We're going to stop playing party with, um, we're going to stop playing party with foreign nations. And you know, there's a fascinating study done by 538 uh, ABC, Nate Silver's outlet, that basically says the majority of the electoral populace here in America is socially conservative and economically liberal. More people would say, I don't support abortion but I would love another round of stimulus checks. <laughs> Which is fascinating because there's no political party out there that represents that view. There's, mm. no, there's just not. Mm. So who fills that gap? Candidates fill that gap. Donald Trump filled that gap and he filled it well because he said he would talk out against abortion, appointed three Supreme Court justices that are notorious for not liking abortion uh, rights in those contexts but he sent his stimulus checks around. He never said he was gonna cut entitlements. He never, he imposed tariffs, which is supporting American industry, improving government intervention in that area. You never hear Republicans talk about those things. Repub a true Republican would never once talk about the idea of imposing tariffs, of bailing out industries, of sending stimulus checks around, because that's not conservative. But Donald Trump wasn't conservative. He was a populist. The Trump supporters want a populist. They don't want a conservative, which is populist the is populist. You know, I people call it different things. I would call it just appealing to whatever the people want. Mm, okay. um, and uh, to put it bluntly, people wanted illegal immigration stopped. They wanted to regain that theory of we are superior to regain that theory of we are the greatest of that, that special kid theory, as I like to call it. Hmm. They wanted to regain that. Donald Trump made them feel that way. 
Hmm. Um, and that's not going to weigh. Uh, Biden, I think, has the best shot. He's a blue-collar kid from Scranton, Pennsylvania. He doesn't really talk like he's preaching to you. He does seem approachable. He's got the best shot of anyone, I think, of healing some of the fractures by that message. Um, I just wonder if those fractures are too deep and it's going to be hard to actually stitch it back together. I'm pissed off because, like, I like I know that we're, like, in a divided country and that we are, like, the most, like, politically polarized you've ever been, ever, right now. But, like, at the same time, I don't want to unify and compromise with a group of people, what, like, 69, 70 million people who either supported a racist or who ignored someone who was racist because they just didn't care because it was that important to them. I mean, I just feel like as someone who, like, is into, like, anti-racism, like, I, I just can't, I just can't sit down with a Trump supporter who, like, spent, like, four years, and, like, yeah, like, I agree with everything that he's saying, or I don't think it's important, and I just think the taxes are more important than, like, your, like, life as a Black person. I just can't sit down and let's unify with someone like that. That just doesn't make any sense to me, and I feel like asking people of color to do that is just kind of just, like, stupid and really annoying because like I don't understand why you trying to get buddy buddy with like a political party is more important than like the welfare of people of color who cannot change their skin color but people choose to be republicans you know when we think about Trump supporters and we I I I think to me I think we are I think they're coddled too much. I think a lot of Trump supporters are coddled and become upset when they can't call someone the N-word or say, like, I, I think a huge part of being a Trump supporter is, for most Trump supporters, is this idea of racial superiority, like superior, racial superiority. We, like, that. that's something very, like, to the root of what a lot of, issues we're seeing in these uh between the proud boys and antifa and whatever other white groups like i think that's something like to the root of why 70 million people voted for him um like i just i get kind of like frustrated and worried because i'm like yeah how how what are we gonna do with 70 million people who wanted this man to win what are they gonna do when like they have to deal with him not being in office mm -hmm. not giving them that power to feel superior it would be it would be stupid of me to say race does not play a role in all this it would be ridiculous to assume that it doesn't a lot of trump supporters do feel alienated by the current culture and social culture that's going on here. Uh, you talk to many Trump supporters, many people, they will tell you that it's not like it used to be, that PC culture means I can't say these things, that, um, you know, Black Lives Matter is a movement that, you know, what are they complaining about? Racism was solved already. Um, that they're, you know, I, I've heard it all. I've heard, you know, like, 
you know, what about reverse racism? What about me getting passed over for a promotion because of affirmative action? You know, the coronavirus is a great example. All these Black Lives Matter protesters don't get yelled at when they go walking out. But when I walk out complaining, uh, when I go out to a restaurant saying, I don't need to wear a mask, well, that's too much. Or when I go to church, I can't go to church, but they can go hold a protest. I would say that most of these people are not making these under an explicit racial argument of basically saying, you know, I think there's a sizable subset that are just mad they can't call people the N-word. I do think, um, but I think for a majority, that's not their intention. Their intention is they feel powerless. They feel like they don't have a spot in this world and they're tired of being told um they're tired of being told we're the that they're the problem that they're the problem in this that being heterosexual that being white that being rich that being moderately wealthy that being um supportive uh christian values of traditional family values that that makes you a bad person i i I agree with with people that are pessimistic and i also agree with your thoughts on on unification and I know that like at one point you and I had a conversation about like if we just all didn't follow people and we realize that we are the American people and all the people that are telling us to do x amount of things are in a whole other class by themselves and like Joe Biden and Donald Trump relate far closer together than like you and I do. Yes, yes. Even though like you're very progressive and I'm very conservative, like that's still, like you and I are still more in the same boat than they are. Mm -hmm. Because when when the hellfires break loose, they're gonna be off to New Zealand or whatever, and we're we're gonna be here. So Mm -hmm. I do agree with that. And I think that I do try to remain optimistic about that. And I think just by doing my part of just trying to have conversations with people on the other side, I think that the one thing, especially now that has made everything tricky, especially, I mean, 2020 has been a year, man, but the thing that I've started to learn a bit more about as well is just the sheer amount of information that we have Mm -hmm. and the reality of you can pretty much find enough information to back any thought any sort of mindset or mind frame that you like want at this point in life. Like there is, there is enough information on the internet to create like the neo-Nazi alt-right racist kids, white kids that are on an internet board all day reading facts about like, Oh, I didn't know that whatever you know just (laughs) i don't even want to go into it but you can and you can do the same as as an as a social justice warrior or anything that's that far left and so that to me is also a bit concerning is that people are taking a, a sort of an alignment that they already had and then kind of latching more and more onto it yeah and i also just believe that we as people are very tribal in nature and i think everyone kind of is rallying behind something at this point 
whether it be on the right or the left, and you feel a sense of unity in beating the other person more than you do like coming together as an entire country. Mm. I feel like a lot of people might be feeling that. I also think that our country doesn't know how to do that. We don't know how to like unify. Like I think this is the first time I've heard this message of unity before. I mean, with the Obama presidency, it was changed. That was that was the idea. Right. But with Biden pres- Biden's presidency, he's running on this um, unity. So I, I don't I don't know if we have we don't I don't know if we have like a, a reference point to do that. Um, so I I think we'll be trying to figure that out. We're a we're an, we're a very interesting country. There isn't another country in the world that has this many different people living. together you know and it just is difficult because you have all of pretty much every race is represented within this country and on top of that with the nature of how we're set up through capitalism and how capitalism is kind of going at this point we have a lot we have the richest people in the world that live here and we also have very poor people that live here and there's that spectrum too. So there's a yeah. wealth and there's a racial spectrum. I feel like just yeah. both of those are probably the two biggest and we're kind of trying to learn like how to co- not only coexist, but feel proud to be Americans together. And especially within 2020 where we had the end of the Trump administration who was in many ways a divisive president we had thank you for acknowledging that we had what i would consider in many ways the next level or generation of racial revolution mm-hmm. we had a pandemic which we've been hit the hardest with of any country and within the pandemic there's all, there's so much that you know would could be talked about just as far as economically where we are People almost want to be left alone because they're, they're, they're scared of this virus and rightfully so to many people. So there, there is a lot to come back from and it's, it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here. And I am hopeful that we as a country can continue to move forward. I think we'll be uncertain about when this pandemic's going to end. Um... I don't think that this pandemic has any foreseeable end date, despite all the announcements. And I don't think Joe Biden necessarily getting in office is going to speed that up. I think that's one area of uncertainty. I think coming from a conservative point of view, I have no idea what the Republican Party looks like after this. I think what Donald Trump does after this is going to determine a lot of what happens to conservatives and Republicans. If he says, I'm going to run again in 2024, we're locked into the Trump campaign till 2024 is over. If he says, I'm going to go buy Newsmax or OAN, and you're going to hear me constantly on the air, I'm going to be on Fox News every other weekend, he's still around. The only hope that you can truly have if you're somebody like me who doesn't like Trump but still likes conservatism is he disappears. And something tells me, the one thing I am certain about is that we are not done hearing about Donald Trump. Hmm. Just, he is too much of a mega starlet. He is too much of an egotistical prick to 
not being the spotlight. I'm just going back to the 70 million Trump supporters who we mm. don't know, <laughs> who who are like, who you, you said, something you said was really important. You said it's not, you know, it's the fact that they feel this way. It's not the what is causing it anymore. That's like, that's not the problem anymore. Mm. It's that they feel this way. Like, I think those feelings of anger, frustration, whatever, I think that is something that we need to get, like, I don't, I don't want to say we need to get a handle on, but I just feel like that's something that a lot, I think that's something that a lot of Black people and, and people of color are going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's something that other white people are going to have to deal with. Um, like other like white liberals are going to have to deal with. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm kind of, I'm just really nervous about the outcomes of that because it, if that's what you feel, I, I'm going to be the embodiment. Other people who look like me are going to be the embodiment of what you think is being taken away from you. And then what, how are you going to react to that? That's something I'm afraid about. I think that's valid. I think that's perfectly valid. And I think that's a fear that you can see play out across the country uh, almost every day. Mm -hmm. I think if I was uh, to say as a former Republican, uh, current conservative, one of the reasons a lot of Republicans have left the party is because elected officials aren't standing up. You're not seeing the Republican leaders stepping up and saying, we're not doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, I think back to 2008 where John McCain famously told one of uh, his supporters at a rally, a supporter gets up and says, I think Barack Obama's a Muslim and a terrorist to this community. And John McCain takes the mic right out of her hand and says, no, he is not. He is a good family man who supports his country. We just have differing views of policy. We moved away from that as a country. We moved away from that idea of it's just differing policy uh, into this gut reaction feeling of hatred and divisiveness. And I think the only way you're gonna see a lot of this stop is you see important good character people standing up and saying this is not what we want on our side of the aisle um i don't know when that's going to happen i don't know and that's probably you know to go back to your very last question that's probably the thing i'm most uncertain about is what that future looks like well i don't think i'm uncertain about how he's going to i guess treat work with like COVID. I think I think like he's gonna go in like day one and be like, okay, national mask mandate. I think he's gonna work with that very well. Because that's just not a very controversial well, it shouldn't be a very controversial issue. Um I feel like maybe I'm uncertain about I guess what what he his entire plan is to like heal the country and like unite us. I just feel like that's just not gonna work out. Like I just feel like just because, I don't know, I just feel like Donald Trump supporters are still going to be Trump supporters. I still feel like they're going to still be just as xenophobic as, like, they've been this entire time. And just, like, I don't, like, I mean, we won't have a president who will be about, like, spreading fake news anymore. But I feel like the supporters of Trump will still try to spread fake news. The whole, like, divided country, cultural war, I'm kind of uncertain about. I'm just curious as to what that's gonna be like.
while I'm not one to push a message of blind unity without really accessing the harm that a Trump presidency has done, I do think that the real work starts with us having conversations with each other. I'm not saying have conversations with conservatives if you just do not have the mental or emotional or physical energy or safety to do such. But I do think having a conversation is a start to trying to make sense of our times. So if anything, I hope I can leave y'all with well, I, I really don't have hope, but <laughs> I wish y'all well. I hope you're doing well. And if you like these interviews, be on the lookout for the next few episodes. And bye, Trump. In summation. It's bull.